The first reading is Psalm 96 and you can find it in your church Bibles on page 483. Try not to sing it along. (laughs) Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. The second reading is from Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26, which you can find on page 890 of the Church Bibles. That's Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. It'd be great to have uh, Acts 8 open uh, before you as we look at that together. Let me lead us in prayer as we uh, dive into that passage together. Father God, thank you uh, for this time. Thank you for the men and women who are here together in this building. Thank you for this opportunity to encourage and serve one another, to celebrate you together. We ask now that you bless the time. 
Uh, Help my words to be faithful and clear. Help us to have humble and teachable hearts that we would respond to your word, to your goodness to us with joy. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I'm wondering what you thought uh, as how you felt as we read Psalm 96 before. What was going on inside you? Did you want to stand up and sing and celebrate? Uh, It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? Of the trees, the fields, the all creation, the, the heavens celebrating God. Uh, and then all peoples, all nations, all languages coming together to celebrate God. It's a wonderful picture. Did you, did you feel that? Did you want to stand and sing and celebrate and give God the glory? Perhaps there's a part of us that does. But I reckon there's a larger part of us that, that really struggles with that. Perhaps feels overwhelmed by it. We read Psalm 96 and it just feels too big, too grand for our, really to be honest, smaller, ordinary, normal lives. Or perhaps you feel this morning just really worn out. Uh, You're spiritually dragging your feet. And so you read Psalm 96 and you feel a little guilty that you're not more excited by it. You're not doing more for God's mission. Or maybe you're keen. You're really on board for this, but you just don't know what the steps look like. What the next step looks for you in 2015. Well, today in our series, The Splendor of Salvation, we're going to get a story that's going to help us with all that. Uh, It's a story that's so outside the box, so beyond our expectations, so delightfully unusual that it will refresh and encourage and reinvigorate us. But perhaps it, it didn't feel like that at first glance. Perhaps it just felt a little weird in Acts chapter 8, a little strange. Like there's this guy, Philip, who's just on a road in the desert and a chariot comes along. They have a chat and he becomes a Christian and that's kind of the end of the story. A a little bizarre, a little strange. What we're going to see today is that it's not as bizarre as we first thought. What we're going to do is we're going to, first of all, look at the the kind of context, the lead into Acts to see where this fits. Uh, Then we're going to focus in on uh, the one who is the salvation, Jesus Uh, And then we're going to look at these sort of bizarre details to us and and be encouraged and refreshed by them. And if you've got an outline, you can follow along with that. First of all, uh, splendid salvation, even in the face of persecution. Um, So I'd love for you to turn back in your Bibles and just come back to the beginning of Acts chapter 8 with me. So it's just a a page before, I think, in the church Bibles. Uh, And there's that chapter 8, verse 1, and that second half of the verse where the new paragraph starts. It says, on that day... So you can ask, what day? Was the day in Acts 7 where this godly, good man, Stephen, was lynched by a mob? And then we read, on that day, on that awful day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul, who we'll meet in a couple of weeks in Acts 9, began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. It's awful, isn't it? If if you read the opening chapters of the book of Acts, you'll know how awful it is because this church, this generous, courageous, prayerful church that serves the poor and widows is being destroyed. Um, Chapter 5, verse 42 on the screen says, Day after day, In the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? 
of the apostles, it says there, going from house to house, door to door, telling people about Jesus. Have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard the good news about Jesus? And they went door to door doing that. But now we read that Saul and his helpers go door to door, house to house, dragging people off to prison. Can you imagine what that would be like? You're having lunch today at home and the kids are playing or you've got friends around and, and, and then there's this is banging at the door and, and a voice says, we've come to take you to prison, all Christians. And so you sit quietly, you gather the kids in and maybe you're praying and hoping that maybe they'll think you're not home and they'll move on. But then they kick the door in and they drag you and your family and your friends off to prison. It's awful. If we were to get together now in little groups and come up with the top 10 worst things that could happen to our church, those top 10 things that would be a sledgehammer through our faith, this would be in the top three, right? Everyone getting arrested and dragged off to prison. It'd be awful. Whole community groups, families, couples just dragged off to prison. We know that January is a quieter time at church. There's uh, less people around and things are smaller. But this persecution would make January, would make this morning look like revival. If this kind of persecution hit our church, there'd be no one here this morning. Three quarters quarters of us would be in prison. And the other quarter would be off having run for the hills, got out of town to avoid being arrested. This is awful. This doesn't sound very refreshing. It doesn't sound like a splendid salvation. But have a look what happens next. Verse 4 of Acts 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip, from our story with the Ethiopian eunuch, went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Did you see what happened? Those who were scattered, who were driven out of Jerusalem, carried the good news of Jesus, shared the good news of Jesus as they went. The the church continues to grow. And Philip, from our story, is one of those who is scattered and carries the news forth. So, So even when the worst imagines, even our top three of worst things that could happen, the church is blown up, destroyed, God is still sharing, still pouring out his splendid salvation. And back in our story for today with the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip is not some random guy who just appears from nowhere. No, Philip is one of those who carried the good news of Jesus as he was scattered out of Jerusalem. And this meeting with the Ethiopian eunuch is not some bizarre, random, accidental encounter, but it's part of God's splendid salvation. So let's look at the story. Let's look at the story. So come back to that passage we read from Acts 8 before. And we're going to start at the conversation that they have. And the conversation starts with a question. Verse 30. Philip says to him, when he sees that he's reading the Isaiah the prophet, do you understand what you're reading? That's a great question, isn't it? You don't need to have done a training course to know that question. don't need to be reading a book about how to share your faith. He sees, he's reading the Bible and he says, do you understand what you're reading? Would you like to talk about that? And so then the eunuch says, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now that's not saying you can't read your Bible by yourself. You can, but it's saying something more than that. So have a look closely. 
Now, presumably, the, the eunuch has been reading earlier in Isaiah, which talks about how all the nations, like we saw in Psalm 96, all the nations will worship God. And, and perhaps he's wondering, how will this happen? How is this going to happen? How, how can an Ethiopian eunuch worship God? And then he reads the passage that we have before us. Verse 32. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, from his trip to Jerusalem, from his very kind of fringe exploration of the temple, he knew that lambs, that sheep were slain for sins as a symbol of, of the cost of forgiveness. The blood of the lambs were a reminder of the cost of forgiveness. But he knows that Isaiah isn't just talking about a sheep. You see verse 32, he was led like a sheep. He knows that Isaiah is talking about a person. So who is this person who is like this? And so then verse 34, he says to Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Who, who is this one who, who, who sacrificed like this? And then comes one of these beautiful, life-changing moments. Do, do you know those moments? When, when life changes beautifully and wonderfully for good. You remember them for years. You can remember the details of the conversation and where you were standing and what you were wearing and even whether it was raining or not at that moment. Well, here is one of those moments for the eunuch. Verse 35. Then Philip began with a very, that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Did you see what he did? He, he took Isaiah, the passage of Scripture they've been reading, and he pointed to Jesus. He said, let me show you how this is about Jesus. And this is exactly what Jesus had told his disciples uh, before he went back to the Father. Luke 24. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Do you see what he said? It's about me, says Jesus. That the whole of the Bible, that all of history, all of life points to Jesus, finds its fulfillment, its center, its focus, its purpose in Jesus. And so what the, the Philip has done is he's taken this passage and pointed him to Jesus. Maybe he showed him just a few verses later. Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6. But he, this sheep, this lamb was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, was, that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Imagine Philip saying, friend, do you want to know how the nations will worship God, how our sins will be dealt with, what this, who this lamb is and how he saves us? Well, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who forgives. Jesus is the one who saves. And the eunuch, you can imagine him saying, Jesus did this for me? For me? Who loved me without question, without cost? Now, we, we can hear that and we're used to hearing that and it sort of rolls off the tongue. But imagine that first moment for the eunuch as he understood that all that he'd been longing for, all his answers were, were resolved, all his questions were resolved in Jesus. 
And so as we read before, he trusts in Jesus and he's baptized to say, I follow Jesus. Do you see the splendor of God's salvation that this Ethiopian eunuch comes to know Jesus? Well, there's one more thing to look at this morning. And this takes us to the heart of what is so wonderfully bizarre, so delightfully unusual about this story. And I pray that as we look at it, it will refresh us for the year to come. Splendid salvation, surprising detail and wonderful opportunities. I wonder, as we read Acts 8 before, did you notice how impossible, how unlikely, how implausible, how improbable this meeting was between the eunuch and Philip? The Ethiopian eunuch had travelled from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. That's a journey of about 800 kilometres. So they're normally separated by 800 kilometres. He'd come to worship in Jerusalem, but being a eunuch, he was not allowed into the temple. So he's probably got more questions than answers as he travels back, which maybe is why he's reading the book of Isaiah. And then he met Philip. Now, if Philip had been planning and preparing for this meeting... If he'd been to one of those conferences on church mission where they tell you how to do this or he'd read that book on how to reach the nations or how to share your faith and if he'd been planning and praying for this, this meeting would never have happened. Philip probably would have still been in Jerusalem planning what he was going to do one day when the Lord put on his heart to do it or maybe he would have been somewhere else. He wouldn't have met the eunuch. But persecution came, he was scattered out, and then verse 26, this command came. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he goes and stands there and a chariot comes along and then another command says, verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And so he goes near it and sees that the man is reading the prophet Isaiah. There's no... There's no strategy here from Philip. It's a command. It's beyond his planning. And he's given no details about what he'll find when he gets there or what he should say or what he should do. He's just told, go stand near the chariot. But what does he find? The eunuch's reading the word of God. Can you imagine Philip praying in that moment? Wow! (laughs) Amazing God! that you put me on this road in the desert and a chariot comes along and you tell me to stand near the chariot and then I get there. And what's he doing? He's reading your word and he's got questions. Wow, what an opportunity. Thank you, God. And so that conversation happens that we read before and the eunuch is saved. This is a wonderfully unlikely, impossible encounter, isn't it? 800 kilometers separated them. The eunuch had travelled to Jerusalem, 800 kilometres, to worship God, but he meets God on the desert road as Philip explains to him about Jesus. What a splendid salvation. I want to tell you about uh, two guys I know, Michael and Peter from uh, another church. Um, Michael uh, grew up going to kids' church uh, with his mum on Sunday mornings. But as a teenager, he totally uh, rejected that, uh, pushed away from it, went off and did his own thing. In his 40s, he began to despair of his life. And so one afternoon, he was sitting on his front fence with a six-pack of beer, drinking away his sorrows, just wallowing in it. And along came Peter, Christian man from the nearby church. And he saw Michael there drinking and looking despondent and despairing. And and so he went up to him and he said, "Um, I don't want to 
get in the way, but are you okay? Would you like to talk? And so they chatted, and then he welcomed uh, Peter, praying for him. And, and then Peter said, look, there's a course running at church about Jesus. And like, no pressure, but I think it'd be really helpful for you. Would you like to come along? Michael's thinking at this point, well, what have I got to lose? You know, and, and so he goes along reluctantly. But on the first night, he remembers the guys running the course, Colin, holding up his Bible and saying, the good news in this book is either completely true or it's all fairy tales. And Michael knew at that moment he couldn't play games anymore. He needed to seriously explore Jesus. And as he did that, over the coming weeks, as he came with his genuine questions, his eyes were open to Jesus. And he became a Christian. It's a brilliant story, isn't it? Wonderful story. And all that was just good luck. Just coincidence. No. <laughs> no. God did this. However you want to put it, whatever language you put about whether God led Peter or put it on his heart or, or, or told him, but God worked so that he used Peter so that Michael became a Christian. See, friends, there is no luck with God, no chance encounters, no mere coincidence. The fact that we are here together this morning is not luck or chance. This is God's work. God has brought us together. For some of you, it's that God is using this time to refresh you and encourage you for the year ahead. For some of you, it's that God is calling you to put your faith in Jesus. All, all those little things that happened during the week and today that seem like coincidence that meant that you're here today. No, 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 it wasn't coincidence. God is calling you to Jesus. And my prayer for you is that you'd be a little bit like the eunuch that you'd read the Word of God, that you'd have lots of questions. And as you do that, you would follow Jesus. Well, there's one more little detail in this story. Michael's mother prayed for him for 30 years. But she died before he became a Christian. So she went to her grave still thinking that he was not a Christian, still praying for him. So can you imagine, just, just imagine with me, what it's going to be like when they meet in heaven. Her son, who she thought had wandered. Can you imagine that meeting? Can you imagine the praise and the joy and the thanksgiving that's going to go up to God? As she thanks God, oh, thank you, God, that you put my son on that fence that afternoon despairing of his life and that you sent Peter along and that you gave him compassion for Michael so that he crossed that path and he talked to him and, and all those details that meant that now my dear son Michael is a Christian. See, here's the thing, friends. We can, in one sense, really get our heads around, kind of grab hold of the fact that God has got the big picture of salvation and his plans in the world organized, that God can chart the course of nations and organize all the things. We can kind of get our heads around that. A big God can do that. But strangely, it, we find it very hard to see his work in the detail of our lives. You know, God, you've got the big picture of salvation under control, but I don't see how you're working with my neighbor or my workmate or my family. I just don't see that. Friends, this story of the Ethiopian eunuch is full of wonderful 
surprising details and these delightful opportunities. It tells us, it informs us, it encourages us that God has the big picture and the details of our lives under control. The big picture and the details of our relationships with our workmates and our neighbours and our family under control. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that you'll be standing in Audi or Woolies or Coles, and God doesn't mind which one you go to. Um, I'm not saying you'll be standing there and then God will say, go to aisle five with the pastor and stand there. Now, see that trolley that's coming down? Go stand next to the trolley and look what happens. So I'm not, I'm not saying God, he could do that. God could very well do that. But it's not the point of Acts 8. What is the point? Is the point that we need to learn how to listen to the Spirit? And how do we know if, if the Spirit, God's telling us through the Spirit how to go and do X or Y or go to this place? Well, one thing that we can do is that we can test that. If we think God is telling us to do something, we can test that against what God has actually told us in His Word. So if you think God is telling you to go and do something, ask yourself, Will this bring glory to Jesus in my life? Will Jesus look wonderful if I do this? Will it help me grow in my trust in Jesus? Will it help other people love Jesus and follow him? And if the answer is a big, resounding yes to those questions, then go with it and see where it leads. But here's the big point of Acts 8. God is passionate about saving people. Individuals, couples, families, children, and God will do what it takes to get it done. He put Philip on the desert road so that he could meet the Ethiopian eunuch. God will give us surprising opportunities to tell about Jesus. It'll be at times we didn't expect, in places that we hadn't planned, with people that we didn't think we knew. Now, we should still plan and pray about what to do with our year and how best to use our time, but sometimes... We can be so focused in on the planning that we miss the opportunities. We can be thinking, all right, well, I've had a good chat with that person at work or that school parent at the gate, and, you know, we've kind of got on well, and, and I think the next stage is to have lunch together or, or maybe a play date with the kids, and, and then we'll maybe get together as a family and, and a few more conversations, and then I think they'll be ready for an invitation to something at church now, that's great stuff. Don't hear me saying that's wrong. That's wonderful stuff that you guys are doing that. I know many of you are praying and planning in that way. But sometimes God will give us opportunities with the neighbor we just met that we didn't plan for. Or that school parent that we barely know. We've just waved across the playground at pickup. Or maybe someone you just met on the bus. Or, or, or. All sorts of unplanned, unexpected, impossible situations. So I want to encourage us that as we stand before a new year, 2015, and we're excited, we're wondering what the year holds for us in serving Jesus, I want to encourage us to be prayerful and open to the surprising, unplanned opportunities that God will give us to share Jesus with people, to share the splendor of his salvation. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for our time in Acts 8. We thank you for this story of the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. And we know it's not just a story uh, to just encourage us, but it really, truly happened. We thank you for that eunuch and for how you used Philip to reach him and save him. 
We thank you for Michael and Peter and how you used Peter to save Michael. And Lord, we thank you that you have the big picture of salvation across the world and in our city under control. And that you have the details of our lives in the hills, in our street, in our workplaces under control. That you are using us in all those little situations. So please, Lord, help us to be prayerful and open and ready to take opportunities when they come. To, to, to not have a big explanation, but simply to ask, do you understand what you're reading? Do you want to know more about Jesus? We ask this, that we would be able to share more and more of the splendor of salvation, the joy of knowing Jesus with more and more people. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.